April 20, 2021. It's a lot from Pedro Show. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
Black for Pedro Show. Happy Tuesday. Started off with John Coltrane doing an alternate version of Train Sonic. Stellar Regions. And then Junk Drawer after that with what I've learned, what I'm learning. In fact, I just got a buttload of lessons off there right now with our guests. Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, Brother Matt's on the Love Grotto, Pleasure Point, come out south because still quite Quarantino mode, but I'm not man alone. Those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention makes it possible for me to be with Brother Stevie Lennox. Welcome aboard, Stevie. Nice to be here, Mike. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. Greetings from Belfast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's talk about your journey through music. Okay. Your earliest mm-hmm. musical recollection, Stevie, please bring. Ooh, earliest. Um, I grew up in a, well, Northern Ireland has a bit of an Ireland in general, especially in the rural areas, has a massive country thing. And it really stretches back. I'm glad that I was brought up with like the outlaw stuff and the sort of at least the stuff that had the rock and roll, a vague rock and roll age to it. And that sort of aroma of... <laughs> of herbal smoke and uh so the earliest stuff i would have heard would be like your jerry reed and uh willie nelson chris christopherson stuff like that um but it wasn't really until it was handed a couple of records and that's a two rock and roll rock and roll records you need to get you need to hear in your life and he he hands me paranoid by sabbath and led zeppelin four and that, that set me on a fairly decent uh pathway and i'm trying to think well, let me ask you, this this pad yeah. you grew up in, was there musical instruments? There were musical instruments. Um, my my mum, not at all, but my dad and all of his sisters, like some of the earliest uh, things I remember hearing were like my aunt singing Helplessly Hoping by CSNY. And there's something, you know, I, I can still hear that harmony. And it, it, you can know you're sort of back looking up from the cot. Um so a lot of Neil Young uh, coming up from there. Dad played for years, just just doing covers, you know, Stratocasters around the house all the time. And I think he always sort of hoped that me and my brother, who plays in Junk Drawer as well, uh, would probably take it up at some stage. And the guitar would always be left suggestively, like sort of nearby. But I don't think it was really until I started hearing stuff around 13, 14, before I started picking it up of my own volition. And I think that's kind of why, you know, try to approach it. Can I, uh, can I ask you about school? Were you in the choir or the school band, marching band or shit like that, if they had it? Yeah, I didn't play music technically at school, but I did sing. Uh, and it, to be honest, I never even thought about forming a band until... It's funny you should ask that, yeah. And I never even think about it myself, but a music teacher just sort of... They always like to have a, an alternate, you know, a rock thing just for their variety show at the end of the year. And me being the one guy was sort of you know, uh, hair longer than the length of your thumb uh, in the class. They said, uh, Stevie, would you fancy maybe playing a Jerry Lee Lewis song or something? So, yeah, sure enough, we did uh, Great Balls of Fire. I think that was probably the first taste I ever got of an audience. Like playing, all. Probably, playing. probably still one of the most receptive ones I've had. It's the first time you played in front of somebody. It was, yeah. Um, certainly singing, you know, solo. Uh, sure, I played, sure. I sang in the choir for like a little while, but to be honest, it started just because we needed like the extra points to make it for university. Okay. Uh, and it kind of just set me down. What, what about the first record you bought with your own money? Uh, whoa. Oh, it's, it's shameful. The first... I think it was... No, you know, it was The Darkness, Permission to Land. I think I was very much a hard rock kid. The darkness, uh, early on, the Stooges the got to play with the darkness in Spain, and they were—I mean, this was the you know obviously the two thousands, but they're yeah. kind of like a seventies. He reminded me of Peter Frampton, the front man. 
Very much, yeah, very much that open, low, uh, low waisted V neck. Pete Frampton now lives in uh, Nashville. He married a U.S. lady, but but I I, I really liked him in Humble Pie. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, great. But Steve Marriott, incredible singer, man. Oh my God. Great, Robert great Plant, you, you said something about Led Zeppelin, but Robert Plant says he owes a lot to Steve Marriott. Little man, but what a voice. Yeah, I was actually just chatting about that the other night. Um, house parties start, are sort of <laughs> able to happen again now, and uh, we were just chatting about whether how it would have turned out if Steve Marriott had actually joined Zeppelin. Um, I mean, man, can you imagine? Uh, I don't know if he'd get along too much with Jimmy Page, but... <laughs> uh, but that voice, you know, especially those days, not the best PAs in the world are, are the venues, terrible acoustics, and he could cut through, man. I tell you, that voice, beautiful, beautiful. That's it. It, it doesn't, it, yeah, every time I hear about a show back in the day, I keep thinking, wow, how romantic it must be, but were the, were the sound systems awful back then? Terrible. That's why you see <laughs> the pictures with all them amps on the stage. <laughs> Yeah, the PA was only for the voice. I mean, these places <laughs> were built for fucking hockey and, you know, basketball and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, it's really bad, especially bass. Oh, my God, it was just some fucking rumble thing. And you'd see eight, like, eight SVTs on the stage, you know. <laughs> Dr- drummers playing with no monitor. You see pictures of Mitch Mitchell playing with Jimmy and no fucking monitors. Anyway. Jeez. Yeah, that's why, I, yeah. My heart bleeds pink lemonade when I hear people whining. Man, those guys, they really had to work it. Uh, what was the first <laughs> gig you went and saw, Stevie? The first gig was, let me think. No, the very first one, uh, going back to my to early in the youth, was Emmy Lou Harris and the Hot yeah. Band. Yeah, sure. And she had rock. Yeah, and she had Rodney Crowell and, or Cruel might be, and Albert Lee and guitar. Sure, yeah, Albert Lee. The rest, but. It was like third row, and it was probably the first sense of live music I ever had. It was, it was, yeah, really important formative show. And you know, you have your teenage phase where you get really, you really go off country and stuff. But it definitely coming back to it and getting a little bit older. It's, it's such good shit. Well, you know, in the long run, ain't music music. Uh huh. Oh yeah. That's genres kind of like, like we were discussing off air, are like borders and shit. It gets in the way. <laughs> It, it does, and you, I think you reach a peace with it as you as as the years go on yeah, uh, and realize yeah. it. Yeah, I do I mean, too. It was a big problem. Like I couldn't see a band without my mind involuntarily trying to search for what what do they sound like? Why not just let that fucking mm-hmm. go? And let them play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember uh, even early on. I remember chatting to you know uh, Demo Suzuki from Can. Sure, great. Uh, yeah. Amazing, and I remember talking to him. I was like, "Oh yeah, what sort of what sort of vibe do you want them to play tonight?" You know, like me <laughs> thinking they'd be playing some sort of you know support band, we crowdy stuff or whatever. He's like, "There is no genre; it doesn't matter. It's a construct." It's like, That's beautiful. of course it is. Uh, you yeah. know, I've been helping this guy Mike Baguetta with his S- MSSV band, and he calls his music post-genre. <laughs> I've seen that pop up more and more and like I know people that make electronic music but you know I also hear the spirit of like black metal and dance and everything in there it's it's yeah why not hitting it's, that point it's, and it's, it's like, really really interesting to hear right like chow right you know mm-hmm. more the merrier bring it it's all vocabulary <laughs> exactly uh, what about 
after school, not not graduate, but in the afternoon, did you do the basement? Well, obviously you, you had your brother, so did you? And you're yeah. playing with them now, so you guys had bands during school, right? Yeah, yeah, we played some hockey and it was sort of indie covers. A lot of I was going through my taking myself very seriously, Pearl Jam and grunge phase, which is all very formative and like just getting into Nirvana and that opening the floodgates then to hear stuff like you know Minutemen and Meat Puppets and so on. So it was just right in the cusp of that, just before I burrowed a bit deeper. So, uh, so you're we, like you're trying to learn songs off the records. That's what me and Dee Boone did. Yeah, now that's but, it. We but tried. but at the same time, were you trying to write your own stuff too? Yeah, it it just it gradually seeped in. That you know, we played a couple of shows. First couple of shows maybe had no like, all covers, you know, and you're just playing that. And that's that's good enough for you. And you start talking to the older guys, and they're like. You know, you guys are tight. You should really start thinking about writing your own stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, that happened to us. Me and D-Boom were jammed with our friend, I think, t- trying to get Try Your Mother Down or some shit, Queen. <laughs> and this guy it turned out to be the drummer of the weirdos. He said, you know, there's a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. <laughs> and, like, I know that sounds incredibly stupid, but we had never heard of something like that. We thought only the, just, just, the rock guys yeah. from Olympus would come down to deliver the good time. <laughs> yeah, it. but because there was no culture for it. You know what I mean? When you don't know, you don't know it's a choice. That's it. Even the other local bands our ages didn't write their own songs. Yeah. It just seemed like this thing of guys, you know, you hit 21 or 25 and the songs happen to those guys. <laughs> but not you. <laughs> okay. And then it wasn't even the idea of reinterpreting it was more like building models kind of looks like the real thing but it ain't you know
fosse um barquinho todo fudido Você caminharia nas minhas tábuas Eu não quero quebrar Tem o cheiro de um hálito de bêbado Que fala no sotaque dos peritos do meu pai
Scott from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off a junk drawer doing Temporary Day. And then Guided by Voices from their new album, which comes every three months. <laughs> Talk about writing your own songs. I mean, Bob Pollard, Jesus. Um, how can a plum be perfected? Uh, yeah. Question mark. Uh, it should be a question mark. Uh, Trypto Phantom from Bombas Prendon. After that, Wharton's expanded jazz band for Philosophical. Wharton Tears, incredible cat. Studio man, but also great drummer man. And this is uh, him playing with his friends like Thurston and Glenn Branca. Uh, Manlio Maresca, he's in Berlin now. Incredible guitar man from Terracina, Italy. King of dirtiness. Well, him, him and a... He's using a strap now on his guitar. For a long time, right, he'd get a chair and just hike his leg up there and wouldn't use a strap. But this is him with a fucking rhythm box. Like, right? Like the way somebody would use their foot on a stomp box, but he's trading, hitting the strings with hitting the buttons. Uh, Irmo, and then some stuff from uh, Italy. Irmo Victor. Reflexos. Now, Vice, uh, this is uh, from a, a label, Bari, way in the south, the heel part. Uh, you can get there by lepers.it, L-E-P-E-R-S-D-I-T. Like 50 albums there for free, people. It's great music. Uh, El Cloro after that, Rupert, the ice cream man, and then uh, Alexander DeLarge with the animal kingdom would probably cease to exist without smegma. You know smegma, right? Actually, it's the name of a band. They're in Portland now. Really wild stuff. Richard Meltzer for a while was playing with them. It was like somebody turned on the tape recorder with the TV. Well, several TVs on real loud <laughs> for 45 minutes. They used to be part of the L.A. Free. In fact, they started the L.A. Free Music Society. Interesting. And then finally, Year of the Sofa. Junk drawer. So... Does Junk Drawer go way back? Is that one of your first bands? Uh, no, no, actually. Junk Drawer was one of those things that seemed like myself and my brother hadn't really played in a, in a few years. And I'm trying to think, I was around 25 when it started. I'm 30 now. Um, but it was myself and um, my pal Brian, uh, Brian Coney. And he and I, you know, we, we wrote about the same stuff. We sort of knew each other from uh, distant circles. You know, oh, Brian, you know, he's a big big guy into slint and my bloody valentine and all the sort of you know when you're starting to burrow beneath the surface a bit more of the, the musical subculture thing and we sort of were, eventually were just like we should probably form a band shouldn't we because no one else in belfast is really digging this stuff that we know so a few bedroom practices and we think here's some ideas uh i haven't played with jake in a while he plays everything uh but we need a drummer <laughs> drummers are you know worth their weight in gold so let's get him in. Uh, we had some practices. We uh, we actually played with a, with a guy called, uh, oh, God, I'm completely, Luke, uh, who is the brother, actually, of one of the guys from, if you know Idols. Sure. So funny enough, they're one of their guitarists from here, and his brother played with us for a while before pursuing a career in dentistry. Uh, so, you know, can't resent the guy. Uh, and we got another buddy, Rory D, and that solidified the final lineup. Um, and... At some point, we all just realized that we'd be a lot more comfortable playing different instruments, uh, you know, just keeping it as fluid as possible. Uh, like Temporary Day that you played there uh, was that sort of 
what happens if we don't have a drummer and try to start, you know, just exploring with beats and exploring everything else uh, after some, you know, psychedelic times. Uh, and just why are we limiting ourselves to guitar music? You know, we're, we're going very, very much into the Dinosaur Jr. Built to Spill thing uh, for a while, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and we thought, might this not be interesting with some extra textures? Uh, so that pretty much brought us up to the album period then. And then, so if, you know, the idea is not to be on your regular thing. Why didn't you get on the fucking drums? <laughs> well, I do play drums on a couple of different things, um, but I'm not the competent drummer that he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was just, I was just trying to carry that idea out to his logical conclusion, you know? So, uh, and, and, and then, well, what about the gigs? You, the gigs you guys switch off or do you stay on your regular stuff? We do switch around. I think it took a couple of years of testing things out and, you know, being told by local journalists or being hearing from that local journalist had complained that it wasn't uh, conducive to the vibe. But I think we hit a point of just, I think playing outside of your own city, I'm sure you know yourself, playing outside your own city to audiences you don't know any of the faces of, frees things up a bit to the point where you can really gauge how people are vibing off it. You mean these uh, gig or critics? Gig, uh, gig. Yeah, just, just local critics. No, but uh, they were saying that then, maybe the there was like too much of a delay between the tunes because you guys are switching shit. the equipment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just a lack of tightness, I guess, at the start. They, they want some like... Uh, yeah, showbiz, right. <laughs> yeah, some showbiz. Some showbiz. Um, but we managed to organically work in a little bit of showbiz uh, just by talking some shit uh, <laughs> and getting more comfortable with that. Uh, yeah, banter. <laughs> yeah, banter. <laughs> banter. <laughs> some stage <laughs> stage banter. Okay. Okay, so, uh, but uh, when Junk Troy started off, it wasn't like that. Uh, no, no, very much firmly. I'm on guitar. Brian's on uh, guitar, Rory on bass, Jake on drums. And I think it just, I think we we all felt, uh, particularly Jake, that he had some ideas to bring to the table anyway. And I trust his, you know, we all trust each other because really what we're trying to do is just impress each other with the ideas that we have. So I think it was, the impetus was really on us to let him uh, move forward a bit. So that was just like, yeah, now, I guess that's a good excuse. Sorry. When you say bringing ideas, you mean like demos? Um, just just not so much demos as we all write in different ways. Um, yeah. I'm more of a, I prefer on the spot, the stream of consciousness thing a bit more. I'll maybe come with a small idea that forms a seed that we all then bounce off. Um, whereas maybe Jekyll, he's, he's more of a methodical writer. Uh, and he'll bring, you know, an actual full, fully fledged chord progression and some and a br like a bridge idea and things like that. But it always ends up being a very collaborative process in the end. You're right, though. Everybody's got their own way. Some guys like to yeah. write everybody's parts. Some do. Some <laughs> do. I don't know what I could do with it. <laughs> no, I was uh, involved with a project where the guy, he was the drummer man, too. Interesting. Really? But he would compose all the parts using MIDI. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly a bass, but it was a bass part. And then he'd let you, you know, find your own way around it. But it was really yeah. interesting where he had realized the whole tune in his mind, but not so butt tight that nothing could innovate or something. But yeah. pretty much a skeleton to hang some bones and muscle, I mean, flesh and muscle on. And that's that's a totally valid way of writing for some people. I know, like, certainly, like, you know, Dinosaur Jr., I think he'll... He'll come in even with the drum parts, like Jay will. Uh, now, let me, sure I'll give you a technique that's really trippy. 
when I was helping Ooh. the portal for pyro guys. When Pear ah. when Pear teaches his song, there's no talk about time signature chords, none of that verse chorus. You know what do you call it? Uh, form. Mm-hmm. Nah, he tells you the story. I remember the title song for that album I was on. He goes, look, Pete's the guitar man. Pete, his daddy's got cancer. And he asked God, hey, you can have my life if you save my pop. And then you're surfing, Mike, and there's a big-ass wave. And you're going to be a hard charger, even with a shark out there. You got it? Okay. I love that. That's and then they pairing. started playing, you know, and I could see the <laughs> guitar guy m- making his hands, so I could see the chords. And then, pair by the I, I went to I remember reading something about James Jamerson always getting his bass lines off the singers, and so mm. that I was listening to pair sing, so that's what I had to go by. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the stuff that pair ta- told me about, which I thought was really, but you know, I mean, everybody's got their own way of making songs. So that's why I totally asked. that's the, it's like the beef heart thing. There is something about that. Always feel like you're trying to swim against the current just to keep yourself above, keep your mouth above the water. <laughs> that's a great way of looking at it. Look, we're yeah. at the end of the first hour, April 20, 2021. Dish your Watt Pedro show special guest, Stevie Lennox. Hold tight for our two. April 20, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
having these folk dreams. Just a vessel on the open sea, trying to win a little victory, exploring all the possibilities. Tell my love, no matter what that means. Boat dreams, keep having these boat dreams, keep having all. Tell you what that means, or even what it signifies. Cause we are running out of time. Feelings, I've been having these feelings, I've been having all.
Live from Pedro Show. Started off the second hour. Project Stevie's called Unbelievable Lake. And this is a big piece called Forgive. And it's got four parts, and that was part one. Then we had Ben Salter out of Tasmania. Something live he did live in Japan called Boat Dreams. And then we had part two of Forgive from Unbelievable Jack Lake. Not Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Stevie. Enlighten us as to Unbelievable Lake Prodge. All right. Um, I guess the whole thing started with a, just a couple of guys. We're from we're all from the Middlestra area of uh, of of Ireland, uh, sort of in the northeast of it. And we all grew up in and around the Sparren Mountains, and it's a kind of rural area. And we all live in weird old. Most of us live in weird old houses. Th- us three guys. And we had a lot of just jam sessions, you know, going on for a long time. You know, they go on for half an hour, and it's that it's that thing. I can see it draw a lot of parallels with like places like Arizona, Nevada, and all. Uh, where just a bunch of weird shit happen or weird stuff happens. Sorry. Um, amongst a bunch of people that don't have too much outside influence, uh, you know, we, we early, you know, hearing like Barty or Floyd and bands like Om and Sleep, and I think what really solidified the sound that we ended up with was a couple of us went to see. Well, I went to see Damo Suzuki in Belfast playing a show and fully improvised with a little bit of form from knowing the guys that played with them. Uh, that Aliteric music, I think you call it. Uh, with some moving parts and a rough set of rules. And then, you know, I started going down a rabbit hole, like Glenn Branca and so on. And a couple of us then went to see Swans uh, in Barcelona uh, a little while after that. And I think straight after it, we just had a chat and realized that that was exactly what we, we sort of wanted to try and emulate, that be able to take a seat of an idea, even if it's like something that we know can last for about 40 minutes, and feed off a crowd and learn from it and try and create this piece of music that is as much of an idea as anything like the forgive uh, the recording all happened in a church near uh, where we grew up a little rural church i think from about 1820 uh and the circumstances were quite quite weird we 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 recorded it uh with a really good friend of ours nile uh we managed we were very fortunate that they did to uh the minister, uh, he's, he's a fairly liberal Church of Ireland, uh, like an Anglican minister, uh, was a big fan of, you know, Pink Floyd and King Crimson and Brian Eno and stuff back in the day. So I sort of gave him a few prog notes and he said, have a way, have fun. Uh, so we managed to get that place for a couple of days. Uh, and the sound of it was incredible. Um, and none of my vocals have been done. There were, there were some there, none really that firm, uh, and then a couple of, it just so happened that a few months later, we were, uh, I was unfortunately burying my granny in that same church. And it sort of realized, it dawned on me when I was sitting having to give a, give a chat to some people. I'm not, I'm not a religious, not a religious guy, but being in the same position, I was playing guitar and delivering uh, a sort of part eulogy or reading to, to some people <laughs> right from where I was looking at. It was quite overwhelming and I had to, I knew I had to, reword everything and represent it a little bit so i did that uh recorded vocals and i suppose that's where we ended up with that album uh, we're currently working through uh, a second piece we have a, we have a load of different stuff but uh unfortunately our drummers get some issues with wrist at the minute and there's gonna have to be an operation 
uh, that might see him have to relearn how to, you know, brush his teeth and, and and do a lot of a lot of things. So obviously, for a drummer, I, I mean, it might end up giving us some very interesting percussive ideas in the future uh, an ortho, unorthodox approach. Uh, you know, but I say we'll have another album out before the end of the year. Yeah, life deals your hand, and you got to play it the best you can. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, this name, Unbelievable Lake. Yeah. Is there a lake out there by that church? Not by that church, but we all grew up around uh, the biggest loch in Ireland, uh, Loch Ney. Uh, lake is loch in, yeah. in, right. in Irish to some degree. But, yeah, so it's in and around that. And I think Scots uh, say loch, too. They do. Yeah, they spell it slightly different, much like whiskey. They spell it yeah. slightly different. Yeah, but that I found out that's a branding issue. Really? Yeah, like Champagne, right? It's a region northeast of Paris. You got to call it sparkling yeah. wine, sherry. You know, it's bourbon, yeah. right, from Kentucky. There's certain kind of yeah, rules. Anyway, I didn't mean. No, no, not at all. To, 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 to sidetrack. So it, it's named after the the big uh, big lake there where you grew up. Okay, why why is it unbelievable? Because it's so fucking big. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fifty. It's fifty percent, fifty percent that, and fifty percent. Yeah, there was always going to be a nature element to anything we presented. Anyway, I think it's just we were so uh, probably to come back to what I meant to say earlier. Um, myself and my brother, uh, we grew up in a house that was it's a couple hundred years old, and it used to be like a. A small, very, very small doctor's doctor's office slash hospital. Uh, but it's got a lot of history, and we would practice up in this attic. Somehow you get away with it in the middle of a small village. Uh, but the view out of this one window that we had <laughs> in that attic uh, with all the practice stuff yeah, uh, was pretty stunning. And all those guys grew up, you know, playing in their garage that overlooked the mountain, you know, when they opened it up during the summer. Yeah. So I think a lot of inflammation, uh, a lot of influence just gets organically taken from all that stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a signifier landmark. Okay, let, let's <laughs> listen to part three or four.
Watch for Pedro's show. That's part three of four. Forgive from an unbelievable lake. Then Justice yelled him, Brother Lucas and Sydney, talk squig. I don't know what squig is, but one day I'm going to talk it or learn it. And then finally, part four of four of Forgive from Unbelievable Lake. And why is it called Forgive? Um, I think it comes with the, it becomes that acceptance that you get. I mean, without getting too philosophical on it, but uh, there was a lot of time spent up in that period, sort of in between recording the vocals that I talked about and recording the music. And you're, you get a lot of perspective, especially I was coming from Belfast, which is a little bit more hectic and we're working some more and going back to seeing the way people get on in the countryside. It was a lot more relaxed. And I think it just gave me and, and my family uh, a really nice uh, chance to let a lot of things slide. And I think that probably is a bit of an underlying an underlying sentiment. And as well as that, uh, I think we just agree that it felt right for the piece. Uh, you know, sometimes it's it's best not to overthink your gut, in, uh, your gut instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't gild the lily. <laughs> Don't gild the lily, precisely. <laughs> or, you know, or do an Oscar Wilde if you're having sodomy case. <laughs> <laughs> don't protest too strongly okay so uh so it, it came out of jams but then yeah this attachment with your your grandma and just the flow of life mm -hmm. yeah kind of a meditation on life Absolutely. And just just hearing uh, things like, you know, Scott Walker, particularly the later years, uh, and you're hearing, and Neil Young has it too, just these verses and little snapshots of different periods of history and time. It just had me thinking a lot more in widescreen instead of like, you know, intensely focused. And, and this had to be a new project, couldn't be junk drawer. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, different couple of guys and, yeah. and they totally bring a totally different energy as well. Right, right. Yeah, that make it, it's all about people, right? It is. It is, and each each thing is a react is a reaction with each other as well. Like us guys in both bands have known each other for like several years, up to like maybe a decade before our entire lives in Jake's case, um, before the bands formed. So there's a language that you build up. You know, you, you I'm sure you and Deepin know the same thing. Yeah, uh, a language builds up uh, over time, and then when it comes to musical fruition. There's some seeds there already. Big time, big time. I can relate. We're at the end of the second hour, April 20, 21, 20, 2021, whatever the fucking year is. <laughs> Special guest Stevie Lennox. Hold time for hour three. April 20, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Show started the third hour. 
We're back in junk drawer land or world. Uh, Mumble days. And then uh, some stuff from Canada. You do right. Presto, presto, Bella's dream. That's a song title. Uh, Ooh, boo, roo, spirit of the black hole. Yeah, it's from Mo live at Mothland, some Montreal uh, comp. Really great stuff. Pale Angels out of Wales with Halloween. Jamie, big bass man. Eternal Return, the bottom of the pond. I was thinking of the unbelievable lake. <laughs> Single ticket to hell from slang out of Hokkaido. And then finally, junk drawer with pile, which is great because that's usually what you find inside the fucking junk drawer is a pile. <laughs> but you need them, right? Usually one for the kitchen and one for your office room or whatever because it's like the miscellany right stevie <laughs> there's something else that people might not know about your music side a music side of you is working with films you, you mentioned yeah. something yeah you did mention something earlier in the show today about you having up the road go do some film thing but you've been part of some soundtracks right yeah, um, a lot of the stuff's on set, um, and I'm only sort of gradually getting into it. Like, I had a bit of a, a shift from studying chemical engineering before I realized I needed to work on music into specializing in some, some film sound. So I've just been working on some projects. I've done occasional little soundtracks, and it's something I'd really love to study more. But I do, uh, like, on-set sound for, like, some documentaries, short films, and and all the rest, and it's something I really, uh, I really get a lot out of. Okay, okay, let me get this straight. Onset sound. So you're not making music; you're capturing other people's like dialogue and other. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do that, um, and I kind of do some post stuff too, which you know, you know, fully art and uh, capturing some things of my own. I have done some soundtrack work as well, just on low budget films. Um, that's okay. What, so what about like field? You know, one of the, you know, right? Cabaret Voltaire was three guys, right? But then one guy went yeah. off, I think, to join the BBC, and he ended up just doing field records, the Watson guy. Yeah. I remember it's, it's him because he's got the guys same. Do it. And video guys, so many video guys come from like an independent scene here too. Okay. Okay. I remember the guy's name because Tom Watson, this guy with the same name, plays in my Miss Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I there there's this Cabaret Voltaire album called Mix Up. That's so great. Yeah. Their their first album. Oh yeah, is a mind blow. To me, that's what the movement was about. You know, uh, I don't know. It kind of even had dub. It had big bass sounds. It, it was, uh -huh. and then this this guitar sound that was like this Dennis drill that constantly, hundred percent of the time was going. It was that band was just so, so trippy. They ended up doing kind of disco music later, but. Um, so you do integrate both, uh, and then there's also a chemical engineering side to you. That just for a couple of years before I realized I needed to move on to to something that my heart was behind because I could earn some money and do some official stuff for pharmaceutical companies, but is that, I knew it after a while that it just wasn't me. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I take it then because I I should have asked you earlier if you went to school for music. No, you went to school for yeah. chemical engineering. Okay. But I then, did. I but went then, to school for music technology. Oh, that too. So you did yeah, both. Yeah. You did both. Okay, okay. That, well, that's what... Actually, you know, it seems like school, after school, like a university and that stuff, college. Yeah. It's about kind of, maybe not really knowing what you're doing yet. You're still finding yeah. out. 
It really was definitely. Uh, certainly at, tw- at like eighteen, I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. And most people here didn't, and school certainly didn't know what you needed in your life. Right, right. And, and why not? Right. I mean, life ain't a rehearsal. No, God. <laughs> this is this is the the, the go. <laughs> this is the tape. <laughs> this is the keeper. This is Bukaki, the money shot. <laughs> but I'm gonna play Ego Death in Akron, Ohio.
keep the home fire stoked and lighting. And I'll shut the door when I leave. No big pardon gestures. Just be on my way. I'll be on my way.
Watt for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Ego Death in Akron, Ohio, Junk Drawer. Uh, what's the story behind that? That's uh, That one's not my song. Actually, it has a really, uh, well, we all jammed. Actually, that's one of those rare instances. We have three or four songs in the Junk Drawer back catalog that all happened spontaneously. Uh, the full song pretty much emerged fully formed. Uh, we were listening to, who was it, like Earth or someone that you can probably pick it up. Uh in the tune, but uh, Brian had mentioned that a fella that I knew, Justin Passon, had uh, passed away. Um, who worked in a bar, and I just remember, God, I think we were a little bit emotionally charged. I think we'd had a little bit of a smoke, and I just sort of faded down the music and let a drone ring out, and the whole song happened melodically. It all happened within about ten minutes. Uh, is where it came from, and I think Jake definitely talked about it as more as in a rumination on the idea of going somewhere and not really being able to see what's in front of you. Like uh, when you're in the bathhouse and the power goes out. <laughs> Is that you? Is that you? It <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> we had Tim Wholehouse after that with uh, Transient Tales of Lost Soul. we got to thank Tim, right, for some uh, good connect. He's, uh, yeah, he wants, wants, wants to play in Pedro. Uh, after that, finally... Last music, junk drawer with inf inf. How do you pronounce uh, it? INFJ. Oh, it's an acronym, right? Okay. It's an acronym. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what what what's it stand for? Uh, it stands for I can't. It's it's a to do with uh, there's a thing called the Myers Briggs personality test and it divides people up into these categories, sixteen categories. It's all very very loose. It's kind of like uh, astrology for scientists, <laughs> okay. um, for psychology students. But, um, it turned out that it, supposedly the rarest of all the personality types is uh, an INFJ, which is, I think it generally implies intuitive feeling, uh, what was the introverted and can't remember what the other J is. You might have to just uh, look that one up, but, uh, it turned out the three of the four of us, uh, took the little test for just for a bit of a fun. Cause it's, it was, a it was a stupid meme of what uh, if what personality type are you corresponds to an album, and three out of us got Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk, which we were delighted with, being the corresponding INFJ uh, type. But we thought it was very peculiar that the three of us, even if we do just answer things a certain way or have a certain disposition, ended up forming the band. <laughs> so it's a convoluted thing, but yeah. Right. <laughs> and a very millennial thing. But it's funny, you guys are part of a band. You're not so much man alone. No, God. Yeah, right, right. So where can people find you? On the internet, Stevie. Yeah, you can get us in most of the usual places. For Junk Drawer, it's junkdrawerbelfast.bandcamp.com, or you can get us on you know Facebook, Twitter, as uh, Spotify. But there's no there's no Junk Drawer website. There there is actually there's junkdrawerband.com recently as okay, our okay okay that's Jake great. As a coder, so that's like having formed. your it's like having your own fanzine. <laughs> it is yeah. We right? need to tend to it a little bit well, more. Well, you got no focusing on the social element. What I mean is there's like no filter, no no gatekeeper. <laughs> now, you probably got links to all those other places. The telephone poles to hang your flyers on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the next plan for you, music-wise, mm -hmm. is more Unbelievable Lake album. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of junk drawer singles, too, coming up um, that are getting recorded. Just booked in. Actually, today, booked some, some recording time in June. Unbelievable Lake album. We're just getting back to action now that our drummer's recovered. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So these singles for junk drawer, they're already written. Yeah. 
they're sort of one is still needs a bit of fine tuning, but yeah, we're getting there. Uh, okay. A little bit tighter than usual, a little bit shorter, mm-hmm. uh, but we're really? really happy with them. I think we're finally hitting that groove of writing again that sort of was absent through the entirety of 2020. And where do you record in Belfast? Uh, there's a really nice studio that we're fortunate that some of our friends have uh, a residencies in uh, called Start Together, and it's right in the center of town, and yeah. somehow it doesn't cost a fortune. What was that place? Auntie, Auntie. Oh, Auntie Annie's. Yeah, Auntie Annie's. Because I played there a couple yeah. of times. Is it still going? Yeah, that was actually the first time I caught your stuff was with the Missing Man, right? Uh, for for one of um, Darn's shows. Okay, Annie's. Yeah. I think it's it's closed down now, and it's kind of like a trad bar. It's been rebranded, sadly, and bought by some gentrifying. Ah, that shit happens you know, all over the yeah. fucking world. <laughs> the They've world. named a little quarter of Belfast after okay. the promoter. Well, I want to get bummed out too much, but I had some good memories. I had some great gig, a couple of great gigs there. It's yeah, been so it's been bitching to have you on the show, Stevie. When you get done with this other unbelievable lake, please come back on. Let's listen to it and talk about it. Would love to. Would really love to, Mike. Okay, okay. People, it's been April 20, 2021 edition. Watt Peter, she'll keep your powder dry.